Enjoy to you, brothers. Good to see you guys on today. Are you glad to be here? Well, let's get that W tomorrow, amen? High five your neighbor and tell them, let's do this. Let's do this. To the parents who are here, thank you for being here this weekend. We're so glad you're here. We got some business we need to take care of. To my coach, Coach Scott, Coach Peltz, all the coaching staff, and all of you, my father's children. It's good to be in the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Well, I got a word that's burning in my heart, and I plan on dropping it today. <laughs> All right. 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 20 through 22, there's a word there. Let me breathe a word of prayer on us, and then we will uh, begin the journey. Father, we're grateful today for this divine privilege as your sons, your daughters, to gather in this place one more time. Lord, you've been good to us. You've kept us through this journey, this semester, and we're grateful. And though, Lord, we know that uh, this wonderful sport you've given to us to play, it's a gift from you. And so we want to do it for the audience of one. I want you to be pleased with our efforts, pleased with our agenda, take care of our bodies and our minds, help us to be on one accord when we take the field, <clears throat> we thank you for all that you will do for us and all that you will do in us and through us. And we give you all the honor and the glory for that privilege. Now, Lord, it's preaching time <clears throat> and we need for you to breathe on us a word from on high. Somebody here needs to know what the spirit has to say to the man of God. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So happy to have my, my brother in the ministry here, Dr. Quainu. Good to see you, Pastor, all the way from the south side. Glad you're here with us today. My beautiful queen is here. She took time away from the turkey. Y'all say hi. Hi, Chappie. <laughs> Sister Wilson. Second Samuel <clears throat> chapter 23, brothers, this word says this. Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada the son of a valiant man who was from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. 
He killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. And he had also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And he killed an Egyptian who was a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And so he went down to him with a staff and he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada did and won a name among three of David's mighty men. Amen. I want to tag this message for us, a warrior to remember. A warrior to remember. Brothers, every now and then, when we come to the scripture, we have a desire to look for warriors who build for us a memoir that's worth following. Today, we want to study a man who's demonstrated that he's more than the average leader. He truly models for us what it looks like to be a man who is passionate about his leadership. He's a faithful warrior, one who models what it looks like to constantly deal with the enemies of this old world. So we're grateful today for examples like him. So let's, let's examine his person and find out how we too can be victorious men of God in a fallen world. Our hero of today is named Benaiah. He's a warrior who's under the leadership of King David. He has a track record of faithfully serving the king, loving the king, and protecting all that the king was ruling over. He's a warrior to remember. He's a man to emulate. He's a warrior with a resume, and everybody in the neighborhood knew who this brother was. Now, I need y'all to talk back to me when I preach, all right? Amen. Feel free to let it go, all right? There are three things I want to show you about this man. Number one, let's look at Benaiah's pedigree, Benaiah's prowess, and Benaiah's power. They're all in the text, and I'll unpack it for you if you say amen. amen. Verse 20, the Bible says, Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzeel, who had done many deeds. When you arrive at this first portion of the narrative, the text is tailored to teach us that Benaiah's daddy was a warrior. He was from the neighborhood of Kabzeel. And since I know you don't know where it was, it was on the south side of the ghetto in southern Judah. It was affectionately known as the gathering place. And Jehoiada, his daddy, had a reputation for defeating the enemies in his day. His daddy was what you and I would say was no joke. He was well known in the neighborhood and was known for battling with the best of men. 
So when you come to this text today, it's teaching us that Benaiah was born into a family of warriors. There was a reputation that preceded him. I'm already preaching thunder. Y'all better come on. <laughs> Benaiah was a man who did not have a record of hundreds of kills, but rather he has a record of distinct feats of bravery and leadership. His bravado and his warfare, they mark for us an intimate look into the life of a leader. The first thing we can learn about him is that he had a pedigree. His line, his lineage were fierce fighters, protectors, warriors, defenders of the name. The Bible is trying to teach you and I that he, he inherited the skills from the legacy of the warriors that went before him. This young man had to have learned on his daddy's knee what it meant to be a fighter for his tribe, for his nation, for his neighborhood, for his culture. In other words, fight, fighting was in his bloodline, brothers. Leadership mattered in his community, protecting others, serving others. And leading others was a part of his DNA. And Coach Scott, as a man, he was fathered by a man. As a man, he was preceded by another man. As a man, he was groomed to be a man by another man. I, am I talking to the brothers today? As a man, he was mentored by another man. This text is trying to teach us about his pedigree and is reminding us of how important it is to have a legacy to live into. When I look at this passage, that's why he was chosen to be one of David's mighty men because of his pedigree. While we've looked at Benaiah's pedigree, let me show you now Benaiah's prowess. The Bible says in verse 20, he was the son of Jehoiada, a valiant man from Kabzeel who had done many deeds. Watch this. He killed two lion-like heroes from Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Now, I know y'all didn't see that. So let me unpack it for you. When you come to this second portion of the text, you see what I call is the prowess of a man who's been called by God to defend the nation. The word prowess means to have a certain skill, expertise, a position on the team. Come on, talk to me. To do particular bravery in battle. In other words, there was no other soldier that had the position of Benaiah. He was skilled at what he did. He was exceptionally brave in life-threatening situations. Can I turn the light on for you? The Bible's trying to teach us, brothers, that out of David's mighty men, he had victory over particular enemies in life-threatening situations. He could handle the most diabolical attack and live to give testimony about it. 
He was incredibly brave as a warrior in the king's army. Let me give it to you again. He killed two lion-like men who were from Moab. You know anything about the Moabs? They didn't play. These were descendants of Lot's uh, ancestral relationship with his daughters. The Moabites grow up to be wicked enemies against Israel. And when you read about Moab in the Bible, the Moabites represents the carnal nature of man. Here it is. When you look at this text, you are looking at a man who's at war with his own carnal nature. I'm hunting for a witness right there. The text says there was two of them. Lion-like. This means they were ferocious. They were killers. Can I start to ask you a question? In your flesh like that? I think the flesh is meaner than the devil. He lays down with you. He gets up with you. He pursues you night and day, 24 hours a day. Listen, the flesh is almost omnipresent. It goes everywhere you are. The devil can't do that. The flesh will hound you and try to take you out from doing the thing that God has called you to do to be the man that you say you want to be with God. But in order to be the valiant man God has called you to do, brothers, you got to give victory over the flesh. I'm hunting for a witness today. When I look at this text, I'm arrested at the fact that Benaiah had the fight of his life on his hands. And he defeated the Moabites. The Bible says they were twin towers. They, they were lion-like, ferocious, fierce. And he got, the, he got the victory over them. And because he did, the text names his victory. Secondly, we learn, parents, y'all mighty quiet back there. <laughs> Secondly, we learn about another battle that perfects his prowess as a warrior. And this next battle, he's the only one in the 66 books that has this under his belt. He goes into the pit to kill a lion on a snowy day. Now that's a cold warrior right there. <laughs> now because the author doesn't give us step-by-step traces of what happened in the battle, I'm, I'm left to use my sanctified imagination. <laughs> Can I let my hair down and walk in the text? <laughs> I believe what happened was, is Benaiah was assigned by David to protect the shepherds of Israel. And when the seasons often change in Israel, shepherds had to be protective of the flocks that they oversaw in the winter season. So they would build pens or whatever to keep the, the sheep inside so that the wolves and the lions would not come in and take the flock from the shepherds. Oftentimes, it was commonly known in Israelite times that they would dig uh, 
pits in order to set traps to keep them from coming into the flock. I believe a lion came to try to get one of the shepherd's sheep, fell into the trap, and the shepherds called Brother Benaiah. <laughs> Brother Benaiah arrives on the scene. There's a lion in the pit, and there's left one thing to do. Either leave the lion there or jump in and take care of this business. Y'all with me here? Are you following the preacher? I believe that when he comes up on the scene, he does something that no other warrior in his tribe or neighborhood would ever do. He doesn't wait on the line to get out of the pit or to escape the pit, but he jumps in the pit to finally put an end to the one who was coming to put an end to them. When I look at this text, no other warriors have this story. No other warriors risk their life on a snowy day fighting in the pit with a carnivorous cat. No other warriors had a reputation like him. The text doesn't say how he killed him, what he used to kill him. All it says is he jumped in the pit with the king of the jungle and took him out. Benaiah was courageous. His prowess is second to none. This took total commitment. This took total confidence. This took total creativity. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. This took concern and care. This took calling and conviction. This took everything he had to complete the mission, just like tomorrow's game. Anything could happen as he fought this lion in the snow. One slip in the fight could have changed. Come on, say amen, brothers. One slip and the lion could have got the advantage. One slip and the warrior could be history. One slip and the mouth of the lion could devour Benaiah. But because he was a warrior and fearless about his enemies, he would be victorious. This makes him a warrior to remember. This makes him a man to emulate. This makes him a man to follow. This makes him a man to identify with. This makes him a man, cause Jesse to think about, this makes him a man to resemble. This makes him a man who can model the way. This makes him a man of sacrifice, a man of principle, a man ready to be a man, a man who could hold his own, a man who wasn't afraid to be a man, a man who took risks, and a man who fought off his enemies. My question is, what kind of man are you? This makes him a man who stood alone, fought alone, fought alone, took the heat alone, and got the victory alone. You can learn from men like this, and I don't hear no men talking to me today. The kingdom of heaven needs men like this. Time out for crybaby men. Time out for weak men. Time out for limp-wristed men. I said it. The kingdom of heaven 
in the church of Jesus Christ needs warriors. We need you to stand up and be who God made you to be, who ordained you to be, and quit making excuses about what he made you to be. I ain't apologizing for what he made me to be. I am what I am because he made me who I am. I feel like preaching now. The dog's off the leash. You're in trouble now. That's right. Talk to me. You can bark. Can I let my hair down? Can I let my hair down? We need some men today who are willing to jump in the pits for their families and do battle with the evil one. We need some men today who are willing to jump in the pit and slay the satanic lies from the underworld. We need some men today who are willing to jump in the pit and fight off the satanic suggestions to take your thoughts. We need some men today who are willing to jump in the pit and kill the satanic text messages that take you off your agenda. We need some men today who are lying killers. We need to hear it in their preaching. We need to hear it in their teaching. We need to hear it in their praying. We need to see it in their serving. We need to see it in their leading. While they serve God's people in a fallen world. We've looked at Benaiah's pedigree. We've looked at Benaiah's prowess. And I'll land the plane now when I talk about Benaiah's power. But I ain't going to quit until y'all say something. All right. The Bible says in verse 21, and he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. So he went down to him, watch this now, with a staff, shepherd stick. And he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's head. And he killed him with his own spear. That's my kind of guy right there. That's just my kind of dude right there. Brothers, when we come to this final portion of the text, the Bible says that he had one more victorious battle. And this battle was different from the other two battles. But it too was a face-to-face conflict. Stay with me. But now is no coward. He's going to face him on the line. Face-to-face. I didn't make that up. That's in the book. (laughs) It was an up-close struggle with the enemy of his soul. It was another report of an intimate battle. And this enemy was no ordinary enemy. This was a specialized killer who specialized in murder. He's from the country of Egypt which is symbolic in Bible comparisons of worldliness. 
Stay with me. It's a significant picture of the warrior engaged in warfare against that which desires to kill every Christian. You know what that is? Worldliness. I lost all my amens right there. Worldliness threatens the believer every day. Especially in North America. Listen, worldliness makes you deny God to give your flesh what it wants. Worldliness will make you do what the culture says you should do instead of what the spirit demands you do. My parents didn't went to sleep on me. Somebody wake them up. <laughs> Worldliness will make you want what God hates. Worldliness is the enemy, mom and dad, of the child of God. Dr. E.K. Bailey, that great preacher of yesteryear, said, Wilson, tell him worldliness is so wicked, it'll make you spend all that you have to go in debt, to buy stuff you don't need, to impress people you don't even like. Worldliness. The text says, this Egyptian was spectacular. He was exceptional. There was no other enemy like him. He was in a class all by himself. He had never been beaten. And everybody knew how bad this brother was. The text says he had a spear in his hand. Secondly, we discover that he had a skill using his weapon. And he was ready and prepared to kill Benaiah. Worldliness is just like this. Do you know that worldliness is skilled at taking out the Christian? It takes skill to make the Christian disobey God. I mean, you said you've been born again. The spirit of God lives in you. You name the name of Christ. You carry the cross. But yet worldliness is so skilled, it can make you reject the very thing you said you loved about God. It's got skill. It's a serious warrior. It takes skill to make the Christian oppose the heart for God. And turn on the people of God. You know what the greatest problem in the local church is? Worldliness. It takes skill to make the Christian forsake the word of God. Worldliness. It takes skill to make the Christian rebel against God. And disobey the Holy Spirit. Worldliness. Worldliness is so incredibly powerful, it almost is spectacular to watch when it happens. The text says, though, Benaiah wasn't having it. No. When the Egyptian came up for battle, the Bible said he went down with a staff. And he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand. Look, 
because the Egyptian was skilled and, and had a spear, Benaiah took a weapon of his own choice and went down to do battle with the Egyptian. He took a stick, a shepherd's staff, and he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand. And I like this, he killed him with his own spear. Now because of Benaiah's training, Benaiah's skill, his courage, his knowledge of warfare, he was able to defeat the enemy with a stick. Don't underestimate the power of the stick. It was the stick that knocked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand. Somebody say it was the stick. It was the stick that disarmed the Egyptian. It was the stick that defeated him. And guess what? God has been using sticks from the beginning of time to defeat the enemies of our souls. Moses had a stick and it brought misery to all of Egypt. David had a stick and was able to whoop multiple enemies. Jesus had a stick. And one Friday night on a hill called Calvary, he marched up Golgotha's hill with a stick. And out on the stick, wiped out Satan's entire plan. Y'all don't hear me. It was the stick, guys. And what we need today is a few men who won't forget the stick. What we need today is men who know how to wield the stick. What we need today is men who will lay down their lives while they're fighting with the stick. The church needs men who will honor the king by using the stick. I'm almost through preaching, but I hear music in the air. And let me share with you. The last thing I see in this text is this guy had a name that was called Benaiah. This is interesting. His name means the Lord has done it. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is powerful. When David was electing his cabinet of warriors, Benaiah is the last man who's called to be on the team. So not only does he seal the cabinet, but he sealed it with the authority of God by saying, the Lord has put together these men. The Lord has done this. Wheaton, when you take that field tomorrow, it ain't about you. It's about the God we serve. It's about the man next to you. The Lord has done this. Are y'all in here now? The Lord has given you a stick. The Lord has done this. For his honor and for his glory. His name is the name of conclusion. It's the name of assurance. It's the name of affirmation. 
it's the name that says the Lord has affirmed our work and has put his stamp on it. I'll stop by to tell you today, what we need is some Benias in the kingdom of God. God is still calling Benias to fight the twin towers of the flesh. God is still calling Benias to defeat the evil one in the pit. God is still calling Benias to slay worldliness when it comes to the soul. God is still calling Benias who can model sacrificial leadership. God is still calling Benias, yeah, who every man can appreciate. God is still calling Benias, who know how to strengthen the brotherhood. God is still calling Benias, who know they've been born to be a warrior. God is still calling Benias, who will imitate Jesus in every area of their life. God is still calling Benias who can handle the stick. The question is, are there any Benias in the house? Are there any Benias in the fight? Are there any Benias down for warfare? If you are Beniah and you're here today, say yes. Yes. Say yes. Yes. Say yes. Yes. Stand on your feet and high five your brother. Say Benaiah. Turn to Benaiah. Tell him Benaiah. Let's do this. Benaiah. I got your back. Benaiah. You are God's man for this mission. Let's give God some praise.